A beginning. It's the time for taking the most care that the balances are all correct. To begin our review of Dune, take care that you first place it in its time, released two days after its North American premiere in the year 2021. And take most special care to know what is taking place. Spoiler-filled Dune talk. Every second of this podcast is filled to the brim with spoilers for the book and movie. Also, it is filled with sand and bagpipes and fried chicken. Mm-mm. Delicious fried chicken. From Appendices of Dune and Fried Chicken by the Chapter by Chapter Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's very special bonus podcast edition of the Chapter by Chapter podcast. I am your host, Will Cowan. With me, like always, is my good friend and good co-host, and we're... Hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. This isn't a bonus. Shut up. <laughs> You're wrong about that. This is regular. <laughs> this, is- this is regular. This is a special, regular special... <laughs> This is a regular. This is just regular special. Everything, if everything, if everything special is regular, then nothing is regular, and nothing is special. Wow, that's it. That is so on brand for today. Yeah. Uh, this is a special episode because, like you just heard, we've got new people on the podcast. We this is like our first ever like full on chap chaps podcast media uh, podcast network. I haven't really landed on a name at all. Summit this is a summit. This is a summit. <laughs> podcast this summit. is a podcast summit. <laughs> we finally got everybody here. We got Nathan Isles and Joanna Isles here. There, they Nathan. I do uh, the Last Gen Arcade with, but you guys also have your own show, The Midnight Movie Club, and just like just t- just lay it on us. What with that one's coming out soon. What you got going on with that one? It's coming as soon as life is a bit less fucking Woo! stupid. Which means it'll never Woo! happen, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a movie podcast where we talk about cult films and the cults behind them. It's going to be super sick when it comes out, which will Absolutely. be soon, I promise. Well, the cool thing, too, is like with Nathan and I, we both have pretty a pretty different range of movie tastes. And so um, the... Right. The concept of a, of a cult movie can kind of float around and doesn't have to sit in the horror land. And so uh, I'm excited to see what. Yeah. I'm excited to make Nathan watch some uh, cult movies like potentially Twilight eventually. Oh, like that's that. a cult. That's a cult I like to be part of. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. So basically, any. Basically, like, we define cult movie as a movie that failed either critically or financially, but still yeah. has like a, a cult lot classic. Things, you know? Yeah. Not about like yeah. Jones. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. A <laughs> yeah. cult oh, yeah. classic. Yeah, drink, drink that flavor right. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, first episode we are going to be doing on the Rocky Horror yeah. Picture Show because we were just like we That's gotta like, get out of the, we gotta get out of the way. We're gonna do a cult movie podcast. What, a way like to what, start. what better way? Have you ever been to a live a live uh, thing? What am I Absolutely. talking about? Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, a screening of that where they like throw had... bread around and stuff. Oh man, they paint a big V on your forehead for virgin. Yep. If oh, it's your first I, time, I got past and everyone that. Everyone <laughs> you. Probably because they realized I was a real virgin. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I've had sex before. Uh, are, are you sure about that? <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't no, know. I don't no, know. when Nathan was in university, he was in a stage production of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Who'd you play? I was I was Eddie. I was Meatloaf. Meatloaf! Yeah, it was fun. And you killed it. That's awesome. I had a jacket with fringes on it. I was yeah, like fucking Sammy Hagar. It was awesome. <laughs> Man, I am so excited for you guys to do that show. We've got another show that we're going to be doing as well through the uh, Last Gen Arcade later on this week where uh, we're going to be covering the Resident Evil movie because we just did the games as well. So that's going to be great. Speaking of movies today, why we're here, why I gathered you all here today, dearly beloved, we are Dune. The Dune. 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 We're Dune. Movie. We're, we're doing, doing the Dune. 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 This is Worm Summit 2021. <laughs> this has been like on my mind for like the last three years. I know the moment when I heard the news of the Dune movie coming out was uh, when they announced the director for it, Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve is probably my one of my favorite, if not my favorite director movie uh, director now, working we, right we, now. We gotta uh, get it out directed. of the way. Are you sure it's not yeah. Dennis? It's Denis. <laughs> He's French Canadian. It's most definitely Denis. I've seen enough. I know a Dennis from Quebec. <laughs> guy can eat a lot. You know of what? De- your Dennis from Quebec. Your Dennis from Quebec is probably actually Denis, and he's just making it more complicated for you. Yeah, it's, it seems like somebody did. They, I, I think it's dependent. I think it's dependent on the uh, amount of ends in there, because Denis one n, you know, one n. Dennis two n. Dennis at least yeah. two. That or he just he just wants to sound yeah. artsier. Because what sounds cooler, Denis Villeneuve? Or Dennis Villeneuve. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Dennis, yeah. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis Villeneuve. Dennis Villeneuve. Like, Dennis Villeneuve sounds like a guy who's patching my drywall and fucking smoking crack out back at the like in a yeah, smoke break. Yeah, yeah. Driving trucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- that's the big uh, the big lie that Denis Villeneuve has told us is that he's actually from Arkansas <laughs> and uh, he's just he's put on the accent. <laughs> And the name, just for people to take his a uh, his filmography is insane. Um, I've 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 seen I've seen Prisoners, oh, Sicario, crazy. Arrival, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and now this little indie art film, Dune. And uh, I've seen all that too. Yeah. I didn't know oh he, I didn't, man, I didn't even know who he was. Wow. Yeah. Well, when <laughs> yeah, I found out he that did he was doing Dune, I was super excited because it, it, with Arrival specifically, like that was such a that was such a complex story to tell, and I think that he did a great job of like telling everybody a story and making it simple without dumbing it down. And so when I found out that he was doing Dune, I was like, what a perfect story to give to this gentleman from Quebec. <laughs> He's like, um, I've always like uh, compared him to 1980s Ridley Scott. Like he's very much that exact state. It's like he took a carbon copy of 1980s Ridley Scott movies made Denis Villeneuve and he just like made it more modern. He's just, he takes the same sort of like approach to all these movies and he did. And if Ridley Scott directed a Dune movie, I'm pretty sure it would look pretty close to what we saw with the Denis Villeneuve's movie. Like, I think there's like such a through line between those two directors. I don't know if there's actually like, he takes inspiration from him or not, but another, nevertheless, Denis Villeneuve has been crushing it for the last like seven to 10 years. I think he did a bunch of like indie movies back in the early two thousands that I, I'd never seen. But uh, as far as his mainstream output has been, it's been just like another hit after a hit after hit, not financially successful. And that's the big question that's hanging over Dune is like, is this going to be financially successful? Is this going to actually lead into a franchise? I think so. I think we're, we're seeing like that 
the, I went twice already. I saw the movie twice in IMAX. You alone, you already seen it? You alone are going to finance part two, Will. I've, I've seen it twice, too. I watched it last night from my couch. Hell yeah. <laughs> Damn. I love um, that. Yeah. I feel like... I fell asleep. So the sword, the sword of Damocles everyone talks about is Blade Runner 2049, because it tanked financially. Um, I think yeah. this has a way better yeah. chance of uh, turning a profit. Pandemic aside, I mean, there's always the big fucking pandemic. The pandemic is the issue, It's I the think. issue. Because, like, I mean... It has actors in it that are going to draw a way wider crowd. You got Jason Momoa, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya. Um, it's a bit. It's funny to say this about Doom, but it seems a bit more accessible. Like it's the starting point of a story versus a sequel to a decades-old like cult classic with multiple cuts to it. Yeah. And there's been a right. huge fucking marketing push for Dune. It's it's on TikTok. It's on it. It's fucking everywhere. You know. I want more. I want to be able to buy. I want to buy merch. I want a big gulp that's shaped like Paul's head. Yes. With a crazy straw that's a worm. Yes. Yes. You know, I want a plunger. That that like, I want a shy halud plunger. I, is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the teeth on the inside. Oh man, that'd be great. Oh yeah, the marketing campaign has been insane. I was glad that I I took I I think at the end of Ju- at end of August I was like I'm swearing off all Dune uh, marketing stuff. Uh, because I went back to it after I watched the movie the first time, and that marketing stuff really does spoil a lot. But I think they kind of had to, in a way, for a lot of Dude, like uh, people who aren't you, familiar. You see with the fucking, Dune. you see the Atreides get wiped out in the trailer, like it's fucking bananas. Yeah, they, they give so much away. Yeah, but here's the thing: I'm I'm a total Dune noob. Honestly, I haven't read the books. I I right. have received all Dune knowledge through osmosis through Nathan. And me, me drunk at a party. Me, the- me, me drunk at a party, being like, "You just, you can't handle the cosmic mindfuck of the golden yeah. path, Joanna. You just don't get it." Just ruining friendships. Yeah, you think ruining it's a joke? people be like, "Cool, man. Yeah, cool. Let's let's never talk to him again." You think it's a joke, but it's real. Like I will find him in the corner. Oh, I like, know. It's my life. The midnight Jezret, like just going off, and so. But yeah, but as somebody who is a completely a Dune noob. I I found myself uh, like even through the trailers I had no idea what was going on. So even if they were giving things away, I think that the things that they were giving away were a lot of things that were tied to like the book and the the fans might know. Um, but I remember watching it going like I have no right. idea what's going on, but I'm like ready for it. And uh, and I also going back to like the marketing thing, I think it was absolutely brilliant casting of them to cast like Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya, for example, because you know for all of the people who have already read Dune. I think for some of the maybe Gen Zs, they haven't some like maybe some of them have. I know that definitely because of the movie, it's increased book sales for Dune specifically. Um, but yeah, having someone so big and so um, like star faced like Zendaya and, and Timothy Chalamet, it's going to bring those 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 teeny boppers in, even if they don't give a shit about Dune. Absolutely. They've never heard about it in their life. They'll probably there's going to be people who have no idea what the hell is going on in this film. I'm one of them. No, I'm just kidding. But um, there'll be people who have no idea what's going on <laughs> and they'll still go see the second if it's greenlit because it's got Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya in it and Jason Momoa. I'm so glad I'm I'm so glad you said that because that's like that leads into the first point that I want to get to is the casting characters, but also to your point about like teeny boppers, like loving Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. Last night when I saw Dune again, right next to a friend of mine, like the two seats down were like two like eleven year old, twelve, thirteen year old girls, and they were bored <laughs> out of their minds throughout all of it. But every time Zendaya came on screen, they were like Zendaya. Zendaya, look at Zendaya, or like Timothy Chalamet takes his shirt off, and they're that's like, a, "That's the first or something that's like that." The first minute, yeah, yeah, 
I was keeping yeah. track of that. Yeah. <laughs> you just Yeah, first minute you get both of these things and then they were bored to tears all the way to for like 45 minutes until it happens again. <laughs> As a girl who went to the movie theaters with girl pals back in the day, um, you know, when you're when you're young and 11 and you're limited to what you can do, even if they were bored out of the mind, they left probably going, oh, my God, Timothy looked so good. Oh, my God, Zendaya looked so good. And so even with the bored out of like, it's, it's right. perfect. That's why I think it was, like, such a marketing move, smart marketing move of, like, you know. This, yeah. is, a, this is a hottie movie, man. Everyone's hotties. The, the fucking yeah. Baron. Oh, God. I couldn't keep it down for that guy. Oscar <laughs> Isaac, baby. Oh, Oscar Isaac. Forget about it. Ooh. Forget about it. He's beautiful. When I, when the when we got out and I went into the bathroom right after right after the movie, I saw like I saw like five like sixteen year old boys, and there was like one of them that he was a ringleader and he was kind of dressed like Timothy Chalamet. He was sort of like wearing like a like a low cut shirt that was like nine buttons open with like a with like a fun little pendant hanging there, and his hair was all sort of like quaffed, and he 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 sort of looked he looked like he was doing a Paul Trades thing. And his friends came up to him. They were like, yo, that was a good movie, bro. Good recommendation. And the kid was like, yo, I know. I know. Yo, thanks. And they all started, they all propped, they all props each other. I love that. That's amazing. Was this, was this when we saw it on Thursday? It was, yeah. We were all there. Hell yeah. yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> you just know that some people were watching this movie being, thinking like, when the fuck is Zendaya actually going to be in this film? Because like 90% of her runtime is dream sequences. <laughs> Flashbacks. Yeah. We saw... Every, we saw all of her time on yeah. screen in the trailers. Every second that she's on screen, you've seen it all in the trailers. Uh, so I want to get into the casting. We've already talked about Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya. I think they're pretty much shoe-ins. A lot of these, I, I think almost everybody that's cast in this movie are pretty much like shoe-ins for the role. Like there's not a single person where I'm like, I don't really buy that guy. At all. I don't know if the same for anybody else. I think my mm. biggest surprise was Momoa. He was the one I was most skeptical of. Um, oh, Momoa. Which is like fun. Yeah. I, I think Momoa is cool, but I just haven't really seen him act. Like he's doing the movie my star man. thing. Whoa, my whoa. Man. That, is that a Brad's read? That was, that was a read. <laughs> that was a read. And I don't appreciate it because I love Momoa. I'm oh. strong Momoa over here. I'm in the Momoa camp. Oh, I love him. I just, you know, like he's 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 alongside like Oscar Isaac and Stellan Skarsgård, you know, and, and he's kind of like the rock. Stellan Skateboard. Stellan Skateboard. Fuck yeah. yeah. Um, doing Harkon and Ollie's. And like the uh, the thing with Momoa is he's kind of doing the rock thing where like, you know, you cast the rock for the rock, you know, like the rock. Yeah. Whereas a good counter to that actually is Batista, who's he's he's Beast Raban, right? In this film. Yeah. He's, he's great. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, he's a guy who's I, I actually like between this and Blade Runner and, and various other performances, I have seen him act. So like I was I was I was just like, I don't know, like I wasn't sure I'd forget that it's jason momoa playing duncan idaho you know but he was awesome like he honestly he really stood out to me maybe because i had high expectations of the rest of the cast and uh yeah he yeah was, he also was the only one talking like when, someone you'd meet today you know <laughs> like yeah, yeah yeah he was very relatable yeah which i think i wanted him to be i wanted him to be my yeah, dad totally to be my one, yes. you know he is oh, <laughs> he's so daddy and they're aiming they're, they're trying to give him the gandalf Kazadoom. Like emotional death in this one, right? I guess spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers so for June. Come back yeah. as Duncan the White. Oh, that's no, oh, yeah. That's probably back at the very beginning. Ooh, Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back at the beginning and t- big, say big old yeah. Dune spoilers, but yeah, he's uh, I, Jason Momoa. Uh, to me, I think is probably the standout 
of the entire movie because everybody else just feels like they fit so well oh, that I don't really notice uh, them. Him and for uh, me, him much. and Rebecca Ferguson. I think she crushed Lady Jessica. I, oh, I, she's I, Jessica. Yeah, 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 really good. Loved her. What was she? Yeah. In? What was she in before? She yeah. was in Doctor Sleep. She played the Rose, Rose the Hat in that. Uh, she was. I was reading this. She, oh yeah. She started in Swedish sitcoms. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta watch some of those. Whoa. Um, but yeah, that's that's mostly where Joe and I knew her from because Joe and I saw Doctor Sleep a couple years ago. It, it was fine. I don't know. <laughs> Book was better. Uh, what about you, Joe? Uh, somebody that probably st- stood out more to you on a cast, like on a casting range. Like you don't have to go through every single person, but like, what was somebody that you're like, that guy's crushing it, uh, or her, that person? Well, I mean, I would have to say my well, my favorite character was Lady Jessica for sure. Like, I was just like, can I be a Bene right. Gesserit, please? Let me in your club. And so I don't even really know what it is. But I know I, one, exactly. I was like, literally, <laughs> this cult, whatever it is, bring me in. I'm down. Like I'm ready to join. Where do I sign? Um, I so that for me that was my favorite character. But I, I I'm I'm sorry. I gotta say it. Like honestly, t- I thought Timothy Chalamet did a really great job of playing Paul. I thought he had a really great weight to his performance. But I also thought like. Because I talked to a friend of mine and my friend was saying that he felt he felt like it was um, Timothy was a little bit too like pretty and not enough like ruggedness around the edges sort of thing. Um, but I was saying to him, I don't know. I think that like his performance worked because it had a really cool balance of like his dad, Oscar Isaac, and the combination of his mom and right. having that sort of like unknown witchy sort of mystical secret power uh which sort of helps keep him crisp around the edges so i don't know i thought he had a really good weight to him i really bought his performance and uh i was like i want to see more of this please yeah yeah i i think he was a pretty good choice um at, to your point of him not being like uh, being a very pretty boy i think that's paul though he's that's royalty. what i thought he's a he, prince he, he's supposed you know I mean? to be a little he's supposed to be pretty yeah now because in in yeah. the in the book um you know sort of a trigger warning here but for anyone who hasn't read the book the baron uh is a bit of a pedophile he's a huge pedophile yes, i heard that he's it's not a bit it's big time yeah. yeah and he goes for boys that look like paul oh okay he's got a yeah. type make it even weirder he's got right. a type yeah and he's got a and, yeah and he's got a son got a type. kind of sort of it's it's weird nephew it's weird nephew, nephew yeah. that's right fade fade right yep yeah, yeah, Fade. So Fade is a character that is oh not in the movie. They don't feature him in, uh, at all. Sting. Yeah, that's Sting. Yeah, Sting. Yeah. Sting's character is not in this movie. I think he's going to be in part two. I think he'll be in part two along with like the Emperor. I think, um, what's your face? Uh, Princess Played by Rillian like Wiz Khalifa. At that point. Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that's too outdated. It's got to be like Lil Nas X. Yeah, totally. yeah. Okay, fair. You're right. You know, with the wings, it'd be perfect. <laughs> They talk. Yeah. They they talk a lot in the book about yeah. like how water fattens people's cheeks are when they're not from Arrakis, right? And so to me, yeah, like right. having super pretty, well fed Timothy Chalamet on fucking chipmunk. Arrakis, little chipmunk boy with the curly hair, yeah. it presents a really cool like stark <laughs> contrast between like who he is and the surroundings and this whole, and also just kind of illustrates how ridiculous this whole like prophecy is right right uh, uh, for you steve uh other than momoa because we are momoa nuts over we are momoa nuts i was saying to nathan the other day like after the movie we we texted for like three hours and i'm like i'm ride or die momoa oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. dean sold me on on momoa he was in this movie there was this movie i watched called the bad batch i think have you seen that it's not star wars it's no. uh, i know <laughs> of it yeah. it's no. it was it was kind of dumb Long story short, Momoa's in it, and he plays a character whose name is Miami Man, and nice. he has it tattooed across his chest, and he's never wearing a shirt. Amazing. <laughs> and uh, it was great. It was good stuff. 
Uh, but other than uh, Momo, was there anybody else that you were like, this guy's crushing it? Uh, maybe Harkonnen? Maybe you said it. Um, the, ba- the Baron? Baron was Baron was great. Who played that guy? Who was that guy? Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, that is, that is him. He's yeah, gross. Stel- that was gross. Super it was, gross. It was so good. I mean, that's what we wanted. <laughs> I really like the guy in the leather suit playing the spider that walked across the yeah. screen. That was that creepy. Was wild. There's a there's a horror oh, about? there's a fucked up horror movie called Audition where a, a lady like cuts. Oh, a, I've wanted to watch that. It's good. It's fucked up. Spoiler: like a, a, at one point, a guy's limbs get cut oh, off and shit, and you see him his, his torso like crawling around on the ground. And uh, <sighs> this reminded me of that. I think that that is what they're going to use to illustrate how depraved the Baron is instead of the pedophilia, which I'm fine with. That's an attitude change. Choice. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with great, that. Great, yeah. great choice. Great, great choice. choice. It's way more yeah. palatable. Maybe the pedophilia stuff just, I think maybe the pedophilia <laughs> stuff just hits too close to home for Hollywood too, so they probably don't want to include it. Ooh, spicy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I never even thought of that. That's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. I also, sorry, I uh, gotta throw in Baron, one more like honorable uh, Baron starts making movies. Like a... Baron's like... <laughs> Baron's like, I'm a director as well. It's, Surprise! Harvey oh Weinstein's in this movie. I'm also a Weinstein. I'm also a Weinstein. The Baron Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> oh, God. Um, another character I also kind of wanted to give a shout out. I don't know the character's name. Y'all probably do. Um, it was the lady who was who was like half Harkonnen. Or, or, no, not Harkonnen. She was um, half... Uh, half Fremen. Yeah, Gal- half Fremen. Melon yeah, and she was Liet like, Kynes. Yes, okay, Kynes. Kynes, Kynes. So she, so she was great. I really, I, I loved, I loved her, and I just loved. I was like, ooh, I really want to know more of your story. I want to know how you're sort of like riding that line between both worlds right. and stuff like that. And I will not get that, but that's okay. Uh, I'll take what I received in the first movie. I've yet to see. I've yet to see one shitty sexist racist yet. Because if I remember yeah. correctly, Lake Kynes is, uh, is a white guy in the book, right? Yeah, he, she's oh. a white dude. Yeah, yeah. See, um, and, and uh, look at so that. she's she's one of the biggest changes in the in the movie in this movie, I, I think. And I like them all. I no. like I like all the changes they made to her character. In fact, Leah Kynes, like well, to your point, is like my next standout uh, character. Like I thought Leah Kynes and everything they changed, and that was like another question I wanted to ask you guys as well is like. What changes did they make to the characters? This is more for book people, I guess. Fair. Uh, uh, that you were like, oh, that's really, really smart. And which ones were like, that's dumb. But Leah Kynes, uh, I think, is super, super cool. Just, uh, and yeah. just want to give a sh- The actress's name is Sharon Duncan Brewster, who plays Leah Kynes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, she killed it. My only, my only thing with the changes there is that, it, so in the books, Kynes as we said, is a dude and he's Zendaya's father. Oh, yes. okay. So Interesting. we have no indication that this kinds is Zendaya's mother. Right. But it's more of a fleeting sort of reference that they make in the book. It doesn't really add anything to the is, plot. Is that in the, uh, is that in like the, the, uh, the appendices, like at the back of the book? No, it's, or is it in the actual, it's said, it's said. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when they're hanging out with Stilgar, probably, uh, after the whole Jameis thing that we experienced at the end of this movie, it's when uh, Zendaya says, like, oh, my father is, is known as Kynes. And uh, I think there's, like, a moment where Paul goes, like, I got I got news for you. Interesting. <laughs> okay, like yeah, that. yeah. Paul's, Paul's like, yikes. I got to tell so, you something. Uh, that, might, that might be a cool, but, like, because that, that would, I mean, this movie ends at that point. I wonder if that'd be a, that might be an interesting point to start the next movie at, like, if they were to Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could it could get tossed in there. 
as people who have read the book, um, do you, like if 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 there's a change from a mother to father, do you think that that would have any difference to the story? Does that impact anything at all for for the the Duners? I think as far as like the movie goes, I don't think you really need to worry. I don't think they're even going to mention a relationship between uh, Zendaya and uh, and Leah Kynes in the movie because it doesn't play that much of a role in the book at all. Okay. Uh, but if it was, if the movie, if the book was focusing more on that relationship and played more like with the dynamics between like a father-daughter relationship or a mother-daughter relationship, I think that would probably play more of a part, but the book doesn't. So yeah. it doesn't really make sense to kind of like add that plot line into the in into the movie anyways because it's i think it's just kind of clouds it and there's a lot of like little plot lines with characters that they just take out and i totally agree with them one of them is piter defreeze in uh so the the mentat the henchman of baron harkonnen that's like hanging him hang around him he's super creepy and he's the, the guy guys that, that have the little they have the little lip they have like a, a line on their thing. lip yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So the evil guy of that, he has like this whole plot line where he's trying to make a deal with the emperor for Jessica. He wants Jessica out of this whole thing. Like, it's not just like we killed Atreides. He's like, I, it's like he's in love with her, but it's more like he wants to torture her and like do horrible things because he's a horrible person. And they leave all of that out in in the movie. And I'm like, that's a smart play. You don't need to kind of like bring this. And there's, it also is like the the plot line in the book between Piter and the Baron. Piter's like working the Baron, and the Baron's working Piter at the same yeah. time. So there's all this kind of stuff kind of super going confusing. on. The super confusing that you don't really need, and they took that out. I'm like, that's a smart play. Just make him <clears throat> they really, just like creepy guy. I mean, jumping ahead a little bit here, but they really like. I think they made a lot of smart adaptation changes for a movie, and they focused it really squarely on Paul's journey. And they kind of mm-hmm. streamlined a lot of the the more like political ma- like that kind of stuff would really read well in a really in depth like HBO miniseries, right? Mm-hmm. But as a movie, right. keeping it really focused on like Paul and streamlining some of that stuff. Like a lot of that stuff is there. There's a cool moment later on that like only reads for book readers, but doesn't distract from the narrative and stuff like that. I think is awesome. But like, yeah, yeah, it's it's just interesting. I think that for the most part they made smart cuts in that way because it just keeps it. Because I like we're watching. I kept turning to Joe and I was like, "Is this still making sense?" And she's like, "Yeah, totally." And they did like I think they did a good job for for new viewers of uh, of introducing really did, the yeah. world. While also, yeah, and uh, that's the next bit I want to get into is all the world building. And I first want to like I want to look at you, Joe, and go, uh, "Where? What were the things that you were like? Wait, what? What? Ooh, hey, what? And what were the things that you were like? Because an- another thing that I noticed when I was talking to Kate." Uh, uh, my girlfriend, who I've talked about many times on every show that I've done, <laughs> um, an angel. She she noticed that there's, there's like there's no computers in this, and she also was like they use swords, and I was like, oh yeah, I've been so in like I've been so they didn't mention the any world. of that. They didn't mention or explain any of it, and I was just so like thrown ahead in the movie that I didn't question it. So I want to see like how was your reaction? And what was the weird things they were like? That's a weird world building thing that they did. Yeah, I think the um. So with the swords, with the swords and stuff like that, um, I I didn't question it too much because I think like this is going to sound, hey, we're talking about Dune. Maybe maybe if I just reach in my mind, it makes sense. So basically, I feel like <laughs> the world that we <laughs> live in right now, <laughs> literally the yeah. fear is the mind killer, right? Um, so I think that like as a society, we 
regress at times when things become overwhelming. So honestly, I have this kind of theory that I feel like we're going to have a bit of a technology regression over time. Um, we're already starting to see it a little bit um, with some of the the generation below us. Um, I, Are you Frank you know, Herbert? I actually <laughs> am reincarnated. Whoa, I can't speak. Reincarnated Frank Herbert himself. I was going to say you kind of look like him, but I didn't Thank want to you. sound weird. Oh, wow. But he's a, so, okay, he's so, a, what a compliment. Mr. Herbert is a fucking unit, man. Have you seen photos of him? He's a, he's a, yeah, he's a, he's he a thick boy. Yeah, he uh, looks like the Baron. He's got a dump truck ass. <laughs> dump truck ass. Dump truck Herbert ass, yeah. Oh, so my he, God. here's the thing to Joanna's point, though, to solidify the technology regression. How many people in this call right now oh, my own God. vinyl? Oh, me. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Definitely all of us. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, I thought you were gonna make a joke about how much technology we're using because I've got cords everywhere on me right now. You wanna, so. Yeah, I I'm, yeah. All of us right now, we may as well be mining Bitcoin. <laughs> but I talk about like a, a, a technology regression. I'm more so talking about like, uh, la- like p- people are starting to like be one not wanting internet on their phone, for example, which is like how it used to be on cell phones and things yeah, like that. I want um, a Motorola. Yeah, I want a freaking <laughs> Nokia brick. Dude, I, I need like, a new cell phone right now, and I am very seriously considering a flip phone because I just the yeah. amount of time I waste on my phone. It's a simpler me, time. You know? I yeah. played a lot of brick break and bullshit back in the day. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, and uh, <laughs> the other thing too is like um, we also go through fashion regression. So we're currently in like a seventies resurgence right now. There's a lot of mullets. Yeah. There's a lot of shag hair. There's a lot look of bell bottoms. Hair. Look at this shit. Yeah, look at but Nathan's. If you could see, if y'all yeah. could see Nathan's hair right now, it's like yeah. sick flow. So well, I'm glad uh, you brought this up because no one has mentioned it yet. But um, and I'm kind of offended. But I've been this whole time. I've been actually. I'm going for like a fifteen, sixteen hundreds type thing. I'm in full chainmail. I've been in chainmail this whole conversation. Dude, no I, one, uh, no one has mentioned it. I thought you were wearing like this. a sweater with a hood up, like or a no running joke. suit. Because it's, it's very chainmail. This is holy separate, shit. Um, <laughs> Steve wins here. this episode. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! Gosh. That's amazing. You is are having that hood out. Oh my gosh! No, it's uh, I got it from Dollarama, a uh, dollar store. It's actually, it's actually uh, mesh. So no, I love that. No, med- no medieval, dollars. no medieval reenactments for Steve. Oh that, my that gosh! Shit won't I'm working up. on my loot skills. Yeah. I appreciate the commitment <laughs> to the bit. One of my favorite things about <laughs> one of my favorite things about Dune on a whole is how it like is how it illustrates how cyclical humans are. Right? Like I just one of the things I just look one of the things that hooked me with the book when I first read it is you jump so far forward in the timeline and yeah we're back to swords and resource disputes yeah. and and. And uh, monarchies and fiefdoms, you know, and it just like it makes it feel so relatable, but also so alien. Right. And, well, and, yeah. And that's what I was yeah. getting. That was kind of what I was getting to is that like we're in this 70s resurgence right now. and We're in a bit of a technology like regression. And so when I saw the world of like Dune with, you know, the swords and the, even the the outfits and things like that, it kind of made sense because I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like if we're that far in the future, we may want to go back to royal elements and and the way that they're running things in a way not that i'm saying it's good um but i'm just saying it it kind of made sense um i this is totally like kind of like uh maybe it'll be explained or maybe i missed it but one thing that i was confused about was with the baron um what the fuck is on his back so yeah yeah. robot spine i don't even know what that is (laughs) i think that's supposed to be like the thing that helps him float repulsor that that helps him float so in the the book joe the baron is like so fat that he can't even move on his own so he has like hover repulsor things suspending his body which i think they like visualize really well because he's an obese man who can float around and move like a toddler you know and uh 
I think that I think that's what those were supposed to be. I think maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm going to attribute call. it to. I I like the like long the long flowing robe he's wearing too. I love that too. Around. I think it's just like a fart chamber for sure. That's just like a tunnel of farts just moving below. <laughs> Absolutely, <him. laughs> you know it. You saw how he's eating that chicken, like or whatever he's oh, eating. Oh yeah, yeah so gross. Okay, which is which is which is grosser? Um, Denethor eating the tomato in Return of the King. Or oh. Baron Harkonnen eating that piece of chicken while Duke Leto dies in front of him. Baron Harkonnen. Yeah, really? absolutely. <laughs> I'm tomato all the way. That tomato's gross. Part of it's the so camera's gross. close-up on his mouth on, as the tomato on, juices. And, and like, the teeth? Yeah. The gingivitis. That would be a really good Ugh. couple's costume. Someone could go as the as the, as the tomato. As the tomato? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Don't get any ideas, Joe. <laughs> That's so, really good. Uh, well, next year, you and me, you want to be a tomato? Absolutely. I'm going to be a tomato next week with you. Let's do it. Done. <laughs> give, Kate noti- give Kate a year notice. <laughs> yes, can't do a couple's costume next year. Uh, we've been working on a, a couple's costume for years, and we would never got around to it, which would be uh, Will and Kate, like Prince William and Kate Middleton. Uh, you have way too much hair I'm, for that, buddy. Yeah, I would uh, love yeah, I was, that. I was thinking of being Kate Middleton, and she would be <gasps> Prince William. That's amazing. And I just wear the wedding dress, and she wears like a, a British Army that's, thing. But I can't find any. Of, you have uh, to do it. But for back to, for Baron Harkonnen and the whole like floating around thing. So when the movie was announced, I've always been kind of like anti floating Baron because uh, in the book, uh, the suspensors and stuff like that aren't necessarily to help him float. It takes weight off of him. So it's all just like holding him together so that he can walk. uh, So that he can kind of like move around a little bit better. So he doesn't necessarily float. But every adaptation has been doing this floating barren baby thing that I've always just found like just hilarious because when you look at the dune like you we all see in the night dune 1984 and it's just like a floating evil baby just running around going ah! and it's just yeah. like it's so silly and ridiculous it's I was awesome like, I, it's fuck yeah i don't know awesome <laughs> i don't know how i felt about it I, I didn't like it and i was like i don't know how i feel if they're gonna do a fl- floating baron in this movie and they went for it but they did it in such a way that i was like i'm glad they covered the feet for the most yeah. part, because the feet are the most silly thing for me. Just seeing the little toesies just dingling, dangling around. There is toesy woesies. So yesterday, when I watched it in IMAX, there is a scene where when it's the Leto, it's Leto's death, and Baron rises above the table and comes across it to talk to Doctor Yui, and his toes like tap the table a little bit, like they have a little like shovel against the t- table, and that's like. It it works it works well, but I was like, in any other director's hands, that would just seem so funny to me. Like, oh, he just like his little toesy just tapped the table or something <laughs> like that. It's just it's just so hilarious. Uh, but I'm glad that you noticed. Uh, you you kind of like were really able to see the see the world building, see the technology, and just go like, yeah, I'm down with it. You know, because that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, honestly, I felt with this movie going in, you really have to just trust the process and jump in as a person who doesn't know right. what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, trust the spice. Yeah, like yeah, I know, I knew, I knew some very basic Dune knowledge, and when I say basic Dune knowledge, it's like a few words that, like, you know, like Bene Gesserit, uh, sand. Yeah, that's a good worms. one. Worms. Also, yes. <laughs> you, did, know litany, you, you know the litany. You know the litany of fear. You know the litany of fear because you've heard me 
recite it while trying to take a huge shit like multiple times. It helps. Absolutely. It helps. Yeah. Daily, daily, I hear you recite it. Yeah. Um, I also, like Mwadip, I, I know that as well. So like when I heard that, I like looked at right, Ethan yeah. and I was like, I know what that is. I know what that is. Little mouse. Right? Yeah. And he's like, good, yeah. yes. Um, but like, honestly, yeah, I just had to trust the process, jumped in, and I'm really glad I did because honestly, Denis did a great job of trusting the audience and just kind of like throwing shit out there for you to take and be like, I think that this will be explained. And it, some of it, it was won't. in this movie. And then the other stuff that wasn't explained, I was like, <laughs> like, for example, Josh Brolin. Where'd you go, bud? Where'd you go? Where oh, is yeah. Josh right. Brolin? Where'd he go? Yeah. Um, but I'm just yeah. trusting Denis. I'm just trusting Daddy Denis that he'll give me what I need mm-hmm. and wrap Daddy up Dennis. the story beautiful. Daddy Dennis himself. <laughs> I've, I've mentioned Lord of the Rings a few times because it, to me it's the closest point of reference. In we terms mentioned of like, it like constantly. Yeah. Well, you got you yeah, guys yeah. are doing fucking Wheel of Time. Of course you mentioned it all the time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like in terms of like movie at it, to me it's the closest frame of reference of like something this in depth getting such a lavish uh, adaptation on screen, right? And uh, like well, the, people have the said buy-in. for years that it's un, unfilmable. Yeah. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't do it. And, um, can't do it. Amazing. Yeah. But like, you know, the buy-in with like Lord, with Lord, Lord of the Rings has this too. And Dune does this as well is you got to kind of accept that like the exposition is going to be kind of funny and not really follow it, like play by the rules of like a standard movie. Right. Right. So a lot yeah. of ways, like my movie brain that I usually watch movies with kind of turns off when I'm watching like this or something like because, like, the first hour of this movie is pure exposition. And a lot of it's very clunky. A lot of it is Paul just happens to be studying yeah. the exact thing that we need to know to uh, follow the book, you know? And that's just, it's necessary, though. Because the the, the, the payoff later, when the when the gas does hit the fucking, or when the foot hits the pedal. Um, and you are you are invested in the story, right? It's just, yeah. you know, with, with a world this, like, in-depth, you kind of have to do that. And I could see that being a turnoff for some people. I love it, but it's, you know... <laughs> I see, and like much like Lord of the Rings, I just the movie ended, and I just want to keep watching it. I just want to yeah. keep spending time in the world, know. you know. Absolutely. Uh, I'm hoping that there's a big bloated director's cut on Blu-ray. I'll I'll watch the shit out of that. There's got to be. Yeah, I hope so. They absolutely will. I I could when I was watching it the second time, I could see like little cuts that they made throughout the movie where I'd be like, okay, I can see why they made that little cut there just to save like oh we're saving like 10 seconds here we're saving five seconds there just to like shorten it up just to make it as palatable of a movie experience as possible i wouldn't be surprised if they re-released it in like six years as like a full dune five hour cut uh directors or something like that that'd be really sweet uh so you're so you're saying nathan that they handled that exposition really well uh i agree I there are there there are points where you're like you are being just explained stuff like it is a like a computer narrator like a, there's a scene early on in the movie where there's like a uh, his film book quote unquote film book which is just like a projector tablet thing that uh, explains stuff to him uh, it's just giving you some narrative uh, or some exposition on the Fremen and Arrakis while uh, you see like a kind of like this collage of ships kind of like coming together and everything like that and how they handled it like that just made it seem cooler. Like they were able to give you something really pretty to look at while just like shoving as much information as they possibly can into your face. Cause as soon as you hit Arrakis, more or less most of the exposition is done is now plot. Like basically we're moving down. We're moving forward here. For me, the point where the plot really, like, I mean, when the, siege happens and the atreides get massacred at that point on it's just non-fucking-stop and uh yeah. that's also when it becomes a road movie you know and there's some clear stakes and there's some clear drive and like what they're doing 
Um, yeah, like as exactly. a movie, like as a movie and not like as a book adaptation, right? Yeah. Um, uh, as a, I as agree a that what you were saying. Sorry, I I agree with what you were saying, too, though, about the I think it was they did a really good job of giving you a lot of information in creative ways. Uh, After the movie happened, we after the movie happened, after we watched it, um, I asked Nathan if the um, sign language was part of the book because there's uh, Lady Jessica. Battle language. Yeah. So Lady Jessica and Paul, they do this sign language to each other sometimes. That's very like subtle. And I just thought that was like so cool. And I also thought it was a really, really a uh, brilliant way to tackle m- more content as well. Like you're getting told two stories at the exact same time. It felt like, um, you yeah. know, for example, when the lady's there and she's got the sword, uh, the the sword with the t- the tooth sword, and she's trying to offer it to her, and they're <laughs> it's having a, a conversation. Knife? Okay. Okay. Hold okay. On. My bad. It's a Chris knife. <laughs> a Chris knife. Oh my god. Chris yeah. Wisdom tooth. This is this is it's kind a, of yeah. <laughs> Dune is the tooth fairy confirmed. I'm gonna yeah, so. because Joe just mentioned the Chris knife. Uh, the thing I mentioned earlier that's like a book only thing that they include in the movie that I think is really cool is it hinges on that scene. Um, so in the book, when she gets the Chris knife, there, you get this internal dialogue with Jessica, where she's trying right. to remember the, the the name for it in her like because she has access to like all the languages of the past, right? Yeah, exactly. And so then she starts to call uh, call it Maker of Death, I think. But then as she yeah. starts to say it in the original language. Um, shout out Mapes freaks out and it's like, please don't do that, right? I just want to give a big shout out to Mapes. <laughs> shout out to just Mapes. Big, big shout out Mapes. Amazing. Uh, shout out Mapes was barely. Yeah, that's a bit that we've been. That's doing a bit for far we've too been, long. We did it for years, <laughs> but they 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 did that in the movie. Like she she starts to say it, and then shout out Mapes like freaks out and like has a really kind of creepy moment of just like, please don't say that. And I was like, that's cool because right. it's like mm. within the within the construct of the. I mean, you can't. And I was really, really afraid that he was going to do like just endless, endless interior monologue and narration because that's oh, what the I'm book so glad is, they didn't do right? it. And so, yeah, like as a book reader, I know that that happened in, in, in Jessica's mind in that moment, but they illustrated it visually, I think, in a cool way. So just like little moments like that. I'm glad that they included because it's like it doesn't so, bog down the narrative, but it's a uh, it's an it's a little uh, it's a little treat, you know, so for for Steve, um, what mm-hmm. so we were talking it quite a bit when we left. What were some of the things that they that they was from the book exposition and the world building uh, that were there in the book, but they took it out completely? And I'm talking more like the things that you, Joe, you probably don't know. It's like Chome with the bank banking system, yeah, all, the ta- all the taxes yeah. that they talk oh, about. Oh man, the taxation. Spacing, There's two the big spacing ones. Guild. The two big ones that they didn't include. I know you just asked Steve, but like. Before I forget, no, go okay. ahead. the two ones that they didn't mention that I wish they had, and I think they're really important, are the Spacing Guild, because they mm-hmm. everything in this all this whole fucking shebang hinges around. And I think maybe they briefly get mentioned in the very beginning when uh, Zendaya. I think ex- there was like one. Yeah, I think there's like one yeah. throwaway line. But Spacing Guild yeah. is extremely, extremely important, especially if we're going to see Navigators in the next movie. So like, I wish that was mentioned. And the Butlerian Jihad, because to me, the Butlerian the Jihad, Butlerian Jihad, it, Butlerian, it, Butlerian, it like. <laughs> To me, I mean, it's such a cool piece of world building, but it also it explains to me it explains so much of the uh, of the current state of the universe, and it also mirrors the golden path and like Paul's eventual, um, like it parallels it really in a really cool right. way, you know. So I would be very disappointed if it doesn't get, at least get a mention in in uh, the part two or in an extended cut or something, because to me it's a, to me that's a very important part of Dune. Like that is a very important piece of exposition. It is. I feel like they've just they were very careful about what they put in and what they didn't say in terms of crazy high sci-fi yeah. nerd yeah, shit. Totally. 
because like words like butlerian jihad and mentat yeah, they and, don't say uh, mentat once, pro, or maybe pro, once. What's that? What's that other one? Missionaria productiva. Ge- yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> there's, yes. there's a lot going on, and mentats are in the movie. But you s- say like, "Hey, Joanna, what do you think See, of the mentats?" I was just about to say, it's "Y'all like, are speaking another language to me right now." See, I this yeah. n- makes no sense to me. I have no idea what's exactly. going on. <laughs> so yeah, so again, they were the people with the little lip mark. And they're you see like, him, you see, you see him randomly do a computation with it, like when, uh, yeah, with it, yeah. when his Which eyes really roll cool. back in his head because they're kind of like robots. Cool. It's a cool, uh, it was a cool way of visualizing. They're that, like but... human, yeah, they're like human I calculators love that for them. Do they also need to be charged by the sun <laughs> a little bit to turn on? Yeah, yeah, it's, I think that, so. the, the umbrella was his, that he held was the uh, oh, power cable. There yeah, it is, that's yeah. solar paneling. Thank you for clearing yeah. that up for me. Ooh, that umbrella. Yeah, that honestly, umbrella. that umbrella. That umbrella was like, I forgot. I completely forgot it was amazing. about that. It's, it's a parasol. Thufer Howitt, Howitt is so fucking extra, you can't even begin to comprehend it. He's great. It, it yeah. is great, yeah. It was incredible choices. And he's got this little white parasol that's really, it's so decorative that it's not doing anything. No. <laughs> I mean, the sun's getting through that. But I really appreciated that. I was actually just about to say, like, a huge shout out to, like, the makeup and hair and costumes for, for the movie. Because I thought that they, like, it was beautiful. Oh, like, yeah. gorgeous. Like, also, Timothy Chalamet's hair, whoever did that wafting, yeah. oh. gorgeous, luscious locked hair, uh, can it. you come to my house and do my hair every morning? Because <laughs> yeah. holy shit. Yeah. I'm about to so say good. the most, like, uh, pretentious yeah. movie circle jerky thing ever. But, like, Ooh. I this movie... So maybe like Let's on a visual it. level, it really reminded me of stuff like uh, like Warrants of Arabia or 2001: A Space Odyssey. Like it just yeah. it had like old sure. school Hollywood epic energy, you know? Because yes. it's just like like the amount of extras and the amount of like care and the and the crazy costuming and stuff like that, right? Like and parts of it feel like um, Star Wars, the first one. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I mentioned that a couple times when when we finished the uh, the movie. Is I kept actually paralleling it to Star Wars in ways because I was like. It feels timeless, like Star Wars, in a way. And, honestly, and the it sets movie up that felt world like there's no where you're like, I want more of this. Yeah, there's this no makes like my heart so you full. More. Like this is just like we're doing it. We're like doing it. We're doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. I was like, I've been waiting for this for so long, and finally, people, <clears throat> finally, we've all seen it, and we're all like, yes, we're. Yeah, it is. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like by the timeless comment, like it. it oh yeah. It, yeah. It's just rare that these days. It feels like where you get a movie where there's like no product placement. You know, no like, ooh, this Coca Cola that yeah, the Baron no is drinking with his chicken is amazing. <laughs> like it's none of that. It's just kind of nice to just be transported to a world and just leave us there. Mm-hmm. Marvel is the worst. Some of the worst movies I've seen. Oh my god. Not not like in, not like movies. I don't think they're bad. I'm not saying that. I, I but would what say I'm saying that. is like. <laughs> I thought they you were going to end the sentence there. Marvel's, Marvel They are the so of the of our time. Like they are just yes. so like like everybody's quippy, everybody's like cool, everybody's kind of how everything handled have you tri- and it's have you like tried so watching, millennial. Uh, have you tried watching original Iron Man recently it's, at all? No, ever? no, I haven't. Yeah, it's tough. Has it not aged well out. whatsoever. <laughs> the way it treats the Middle East, it's very it's very 2008. The way it treats uh, the Middle East, yeah. the, way, the writing sucks. around. Right. 2008 sucked. But you're you're completely yeah. right, Will. Like almost immediate to me at least, almost immediately when a new Marvel movie drops, it feels dated, and it's it, this the Dune doesn't feel like that. So, speaking of Star Wars, I thought Tim- so Timothy Chalamet's portrayal of Paul 
is everything that Anakin Skywalker should have been. And this is yeah. this yeah. if if we had someone pulling that shit off in the prequels, I think it would have been those movies would have been completely different. Because he's Damn. he very much does like he checks all the boxes. He's a pretty boy. Yeah. He's, you know, being told that it's he a subverted, has all it's of a subverted these, chosen one. Yeah, he's a chosen thing, one. Right? Yeah. You know, he's has all of this uh confliction with what he's supposed to do and blah blah blah. And uh confliction. You know, confliction. Confliction. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got gray hair. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I will say, Hayden Christensen's Jedi mullet in uh, Episode Three is also pretty great. Well, I don't want to change uh, that. I'm talking about Episode Two. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, though, but at is... that point, Obi Wan Kenobi has the Jedi mullet. See, you, yeah. you only get the Jedi That's mullet days. when you become a Jedi. Knight. And I only want Timothy Chalamet for Episode Two, and then we're back to Hayden Christensen. <laughs> <laughs> um. As for the world building, that were like little things, like everything. I think we pretty much covered it. Like for the world building. Uh, they did everything that I th- they made all the right decisions. Uh, the only thing for me is such a little like book nerd thing is like I wish we talked a little bit more about taxes. Uh, and 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 uh, no, so, uh, again, spice, Star Wars made that mistake. You keep taxes. I was just gonna say it. Star Wars Episode One. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that whole movie is about taxation. It's funny. It's funny. Also, we keep mentioning Star Wars because Star Wars pulled so much from Dune. You know, like so much. Yeah, it was just Dune and Akira Kurosawa movies just smash together. It was Dune. It was Dune, Akira Kurosawa, and Flash Gordon. Oh yeah, Flash Gordon in a big fucking yeah, yeah. Because Star Wars started. Star Wars started because George Lucas couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon, so he was like, "Okay, well, I'll just make Flash Gordon, but not Flash Gordon. I'll make my own Flash Gordon." So, uh. The, the the reason why I, I wanted a little bit more of that because it, the spice and money flows so freely throughout everybody. Like in the book, they really like uh, they really like state to uh, the reader that everybody's paying off everybody. Like money is flowing from the Atreides to smugglers. Like everybody's got a hand in everybody's pocket, and nobody's actually entirely one hundred percent good. And uh, it's super complicated, and I totally get why they took it out of the movie. But the the term "the spice must flow" is like about the fact that they need everybody yeah. getting spice. The, this economy needs to be circulating nonstop. They it's can't, oil. They can't do like it. It's, it's exactly. Oil. Yeah. It's... And they don't really hit that point on the head too much. They t- there's like a couple throwaway lines. One yeah. line is in um, <laughs> when Baron Harkonnen's in his like little mud bath. And he's talking to uh, Beast Ravon about, like, what are we going to do on Dune now that we've taken it back? And uh, Baron Harkonnen says something along the lines of, like, well, we have to start mining as fast as possible. We spend an extravagant fortune uh, funding this invasion. So uh, don't spend everything all at once because we don't want the value of spice to go down. So he says stuff like that. I'm like, yes, cool. But there's, like... that At that point, there's a uh, conversation change that they changed from the book, which is... Uh, they're trying to figure out how to mine the spice with had, with uh, the low funds that they have. And the idea is that they're going to use the Fremen as basically slaves and mm. force them to mine the spice for the Harkonnens and get them back to where they were financially. Uh, but in the movie, he just says, kill them all. And it's a whole thing for me. I, I said it to Nathan. I think I said it to Steve as well. I was just like, you can't, you can't kill the Fremen because they're going to be your workforce and that was like a that that is, but at the same time, it is such a small thing, and I think they really want to na- hit the nail on the head that these guys are, as Josh Brolin 
so beautifully executed in that scene. Brutal. He should have sung it. He should have sung it. <laughs> should have sung it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, his character sings way more in the books, like constantly, actually. Gurney Halleck, I think, got done the most dirty he, yeah. in, in the movie. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. Yeah. we didn't even see the Balisette. You didn't see the well. Yep. I saw a screenshot. Apparently, you could see it like sitting next to his bed when they're like in their bunks earlier yeah. in the movie, but that's it. Um, I, I I get it. I'm not mad about it. We're so we got so much to get through, and we're so focused on Paul. But you know, there are there are some character development that doesn't happen that I wish would have, specifically with Gurney Halleck, and uh, also with uh, with oh my god, what's his name? Uh, Stilgar. Although that's that's a part two. Thing, we can do that. That's a part two thing. Time. Well, they so, skipped over yeah. a lot of it because in the beginning, when there's like a, a scene where he's training yeah. with Gurney, that scene in the in the books, I think Will and I called it like the meeting of the dads or something like that. Because you meet all of Paul's dad yeah. figures, you meet all of his father figures. Because Gurney comes, yeah, they're in they're all and like on one room. <laughs> but then also like Yui comes in and does a whole ch- like physical with him, and Leto comes in and. There's a bunch of people rotating in and out, and Yui, we we got like nothing of. That's another one. I'm like, yeah, because yeah. like his his betrayal feels very hollow because we don't yeah, know. Don't him even really, really know who he is. He kind of came in and he's like, "You don't have COVID," and then we saw him again later, and he yeah. was like, <laughs> "Sorry, guys, I don't know what to tell you." You just dated Lots this whole fucking no podcast. Yeah, I, I really did. I really did. So one last thing was like, I'm glad that they didn't shy away from really weird stuff like the bagpipes. Like oh, the Atreides have that. a bagpipes. national in- instrument with bagpipes. I love I was like, that. That's so cool. That's so Sardaukar weird and bizarre. The Sardaukar throat singing. Oh, yeah. It lulled me to sleep well, last yeah. night. You, you, <laughs> that was another cool thing is like the Sardaukar had their own battle. Like their own, Well, they call it battle languages in the book, but it's just their own language. And they put like a little filter on it to make it yeah. sound like a little more like and this is a roll and throaty. This is an adaptational change. I love in the book, the Sardaukar are, are disguised as Harkonnens, right? Mm-hmm. But by giving them yeah. like distinct uniforms and just adding the line of like, there's no satellites above Arrakis. They die in the dark. I mean, we accomplish exactly what Boom. needs to happen in the narrative, but then you can clearly tell like, there's a Holy shit moment when you see the white armor dudes coming. Cause it's the Sardaukar. Yeah. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I feel like if they were all dressed as, I mean, in the book, it makes sense because they're trying to hide the fact that the emperor is involved. But uh, that's to me, that's like smart. That's smart adaptation. That's for a visual medium. I, I need a, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. For okay, now now we're getting into like now that we've talked about the exposition of of Dune and the relative like uh, th- the things about the uh, the world of Dune that they have taken out and to to pretty great success. Like they've taken all the right things out. Yeah, it uh, worked for it me. Worked. Yeah, it worked. But now I want to kind of like talk about like the the general like plot line and how close they were how close they kind of represented the scenes that they were they were showing uh to the book. And then I guess for um Joanna, I I just want to see like w- at what points in the movie were you like, "Oh, this is this is like a really important scene to the plot" or uh mm-hmm. I I guess or like what were the scenes that stood out to you uh for the most part, as a non-book reader, all of the movie, honestly, <laughs> all, all cool. of the movie, all scenes. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, there, like, honestly, yeah, I'm, I'm half joking, honestly, because there are scenes, like, for example, uh, when Paul goes with um, the head witch Ben Jezeret in the a room alone. Bell Gallim Yes, that. Something like that. Uh, when Gaius Hella Mahayim. Yeah, yeah. and. Come on. <laughs> and fucking nerds. Fucking... A bunch of nerds. Just <laughs> you don't even understand. Um, 
but no, like I felt I was like, okay, this is important. It also seemed very important because it was the first time that you saw sort of like fear enter Jessica uh, in the film. And so I was like, oh, this is a shift in emotion. I loved how they did that through, through, they did it a couple of times in the movie and they don't really talk about it in the book at all, but like, this is straight up anxiety. She is having a panic attack. And I think that's such a unique aspect that they added to the character that, that wasn't really before that wasn't there in the book at all uh she's she's very she's very stoic yeah Yeah, very stoic very but you add this level of so many so so many characters are stoic in this story so yeah giving giving someone a bit of emotional juice i think was a smart super smart move like yeah, cinematically well, and it was a, it yeah. was a really cool parallel between her and Paul too, which I you know was the choice made by the director. But I just I loved like seeing her calmness align with his calmness in the room. I don't know it was really cool. Everything kind of stood still. It was it was it was a really really cool scene. But no, I I'm genuinely serious when I say I felt like the whole movie was pretty important at all times, just because it it's one of those it's one of those stories where. I feel like there's so much you can read into into in in different lines and different things people are saying and like even just little subtle moments between characters. I feel like all of it was important, which is why I didn't want to like look away because I wanted to make sure to yeah. was there not get lost. Was almost. there a scene at all for you that were that you were like? Is there like a favorite scene? And is there like a really weird scene you're, where you're like, this is really out there, strange sci-fi that I don't that I know. That I don't know anything about, which I love to ask about non-book um, readers. Yeah. It's like, what is the weirdest thing here? <laughs> I think honestly, the first time you saw the Baron in like the steam shower, yeah. uh, <laughs> sitting there Great scene. and like the Baron, the, the Baron vapes confirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a part big of the vape nation, um, big time. But I, yeah, I was like, I didn't, I was like, who is this guy? What it what, like I it, it was just very and then like he, him rising off the ground I was like oh does he have powers like yeah so that was like pretty wild and also important uh, my favorite scene <sighs> uh, ooh, I I honestly part of me wants to say the box I I really like the box mm-hmm. the fear box but I also really liked uh, the worms oh yeah because how could you not well, like the worms That's why we're here um, but there was the that- first time the first time you see Shai Halud and it eats that harvester in IMAX was fucking jaw dropping it was, it was like, great I could not yeah. I was like holy shit I like, can't wait to oh, see more people oh! riding worms around. Yeah. I also really liked the scene where Paul and Jessica are in the plane and they and she wants to try like he, he tries to use the voice or that's on, a great scene them. yeah and yeah yeah that scene was so intense and so cool and then when Jessica gets the slip off of her mouth and can speak it was like oh, it was really cool so they, I'd probably say properly, that too. like for you non but like as a non book reader did they did, did you get the voice like did, what did it seem weird to you did it make sense that um it, feel like it, it honestly I think it helped that I'd seen Preacher or Star Wars. Yeah, uh, it is, it is kind it's of the Preacher. same thing. It's the Word it's, of God. Yeah. It's literally it's the that. Word of yeah. God. Is kind of what I kind of gathered from it. And clearly, like their voice, like when they shift, they have to speak in a certain pitch, which is also, you know, um, Star Wars. Also, yeah, right? yeah. Like, Remove these restraints. Um, so yeah, I just kind of like from basic fantasy, like futuristic life things. I kind I of got just put it. two and two together. Yeah, like my, I was just like, clearly, when they say things in a certain tone, it makes people do things. Yeah, it's like um, a brown note, and that's yeah, exactly. Make you your pants, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make you shit your pants uncontrollably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's I, I gathered it pretty quickly, and I think they did a pretty good job of. Um, well, and the way they, the way they, the way they brought it to life on screen, I thought was great. And the audio mixing, I loved it. And it it's was funny so cause, cool because the 
it's funny because audio mixing is actually one of my complaints of the movie. I'll maybe I'll touch on that later. But like the audio mixing specifically on the voice was super cool and super like mm-hmm. pretty much exactly what I pictured when I was reading it. So much of this movie looked and felt like how it should. Like it, it felt very fitting with what I picture when I was it reading it. It is so you know? faithful. And I was saying this to uh, Kate after the movie. And uh, I've already kind of made the decision after seeing all the trailers and everything. Like when I read Dude, this is kind of like the aesthetic and world that I'm going to be seeing. Like this is how I'm going to yeah. be kind of imagining it. It's so yeah, me too. faithful to how I felt when I was reading it. But, you know, g- taking away that like really kind of outdated language and stuff like stuff like that. What about you? So for Nathan and Steve, then like what what would be the scenes that you were like, this is amazing. They really, really nailed these scenes. And uh, what were the changes in those scenes that you were like, that makes sense or uh, they could have added this? Yeah, I mean, you know, so I mean, stepping outside of book reader world, like cinematically, this movie has bizarre structure yeah right because in your typical movie of your inciting instant rising action climax whatever this movie like inciting instant doesn't happen until an hour and a half in and then there's like four climaxes after that yeah. right and part of that it's it's a book and it's like you can really feel the chapters which isn't a bad thing right but uh those climactic moments which for me the way the movie presents them is the Gamjabar, uh the atreides massacre um uh paul's vision of the crusade not the jihad now now it's a crusade mm-hmm. Mm. and um and then uh holy shit well there's so many first time you see shy halud like when it eats the harvester uh when he fights so, jamis duncan's like, death i, like, I it's have like, read the like, book but i still there's so much i don't know is shy halud all worms or one worm all worms that's their name for name for all the worms that's what i thought and it's also... i wasn't sure if there was just one specific <laughs> i was gonna say good question and I keep calling them. I, that name just sticks out to me because when I was in high school, I had a friend who was in a hardcore punk band called Shy Halud, and I had no idea it was a Dune reference because I didn't. Dune was not even on my radar whatsoever. I just thought it was a cool. Yeah, this is a punk thing. Like a punk thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so those climactic moments all feel very right and feel very uh, natural. For, although I will say the Atreides Massacre, which had a lot of really cool like cinematic scenes, um maybe it was just me i felt like the filming and the choreography of the fighting in this movie was kind of muddy and hard to follow at times is that it, just me? I, I, it is yeah. hard to follow the shield the shields make it tough too the shields make it tough i also just didn't even i mean like n- nothing in his prior films have your massive like sort of star wars marvel like holy shit everyone's fighting each other kind of scenes in it so i also feel like maybe it's just not something he's super experienced yeah. in i'm okay with it though i don't give a i don't give a fuck about the fighting most of the time. Oh yeah. How did you all, how did you all feel about the shields and the like visual representation of the shields? Oh, they, they were, nailed it. I thought they were good. I don't like as, do you understand the shields as someone who hasn't read the book? So, this is my this is this is what I gathered from the sh- from the shields. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay. So, when they press the button for the shields, it's almost like just like a slightly more protective armor, but if you pierce hard enough, you can get through it. And then I noticed that when it was blue, you were protected, but when you got through the red or when it started turning red, it was like going through the shield or people were getting hurt or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what it, I gathered. You got it for the most part. Is that right? Yeah. I don't think it's yes. hitting it hard, it's hitting it slow. That's what gets through the shield. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have to get th- and, get through it slowly. But that's that was so hard to do. That was kind of the thing with the choreography. That's really weird and kind of hard to follow. It's inconsistent. It's like yeah. there are scenes where David like they they do it they do it initially where they're doing the slow cuts, yeah. but then we get to Duncan Idaho's death, and it's just it's just him like slashing mm-hmm. dudes, and you know it's which is like it's a movie, what, whatever. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. When I was sitting there at the second time, and I'm like watching it, those specific cor- sort of cuts where they seem like they're moving really fast, and you're like that shouldn't work. 
he's doing it at an angle so it looks like it's actually sliding past the sh- like sliding on the shield instead of like going straight through it so if it was like a direct hit it might have like deflected it but it looked like it, it, all the time every time like somebody's cutting somebody it always looks like it's like a slide through the shield like it's always like well, a Jason Momoa's like rub move, up against it J- Momoa's move was get it up against the neck and then push it slowly into their neck mm-hmm. he killed a bunch of dudes yeah, yeah. So is it? It it needs to be a slow push through in order yeah. to too slow, puncture? and it needs that. That's also why it's a blade because like the the shields are to repel guns. That's why people aren't really using guns. But isn't there yeah. something like if you shoot a shield, if you shoot a shield, yeah, doesn't the, it set off like a nuke? Yeah. So that's a that's a laser gun. So laze those guns. guns at the very the very beginning of the movie, you know, when we saw Chani kind of like. Uh, coordinating a raid on a spice harvester and they shoot like a sniper rifle thing and it causes this big explosion yeah uh and dune lore using a gun like that on a shield would cause a nuclear explosion and that's why nobody uses guns anymore because it would just kill everybody and nobody wants that anymore um that's right yeah yeah but again it makes sense why they don't you don't need to say that yeah exactly and they got away with it because like you said joe the the dart like the dart uh they yeah. it must be some sort of like it's just sci-fi movie stuff that you can go like oh yeah it's a dart that like gets the shield but then works its way through sort of thing you can kind of fill it's like a little mosquito head it's like a little mosquito it like works you'll still yeah. get through your jacket or your sweater sometimes yep yeah. yeah the shields i think they they did really well i mean it's really hard not to fuck it up when you're up against the do 984 version where you just look like minecraft <laughs> like the minecraft like minecraft's ah! a good game well yeah. amazing guys. If you have a good imagination, which clearly maybe, I don't know, man. We don't know if you do. I don't. I don't at all. That's why I read Dune like every two months. That's why you are now a, you are now a mentat yeah. of Dune. Yeah, it's re- I feel like it for. Will's like, one moment, one moment, computing. That's why we keep you around. Here's how laser I feel work. like I've been like a. I've been like this Manchurian candidate for like the last three years of all this Dune knowledge. And I'm just waiting for like moments where I can go like, uh, Shai Halud? Uh, mission missionar productiva. Ah, well, the missionar productiva is a, a plan by the Benny Jesuit. I've done it at like my jobs and stuff like that, and every single time I get like a glazed look over everybody's face. Yeah, you like, lose friends. Cool, man. Can can you uh, <laughs> can you explain to me what's the what's the Quiznos Caddyshack? What is that? It's Quiznos Cadillac. Quiznos Cadillac. <laughs> I hate you both. Um. So, so for me, like my two favorite scenes in the movie, there's a, there's one on a micro level and a macro level. On a micro level, the Gamjabar scene is a really well shot, very tense. It's almost like a horror, horror scene out of a horror movie. Like it's shot, it looks just as tense as it should be, and uh, it just makes really great use of, of Villeneuve's kind of strength when working with just small scale actors in a in a in a room doing cool shit. On a macro scale, uh, yeah, the, the rescue of the harvester and the people on the first time we we see one of the worms and it eats like that. That was just insane epic like sense of scale movie making that was uh and and i think kind of your perfect introduction to mm-hmm. just how fucking dangerous this yep, planet is really good you know? i like the sardaukar i like when we saw the sardaukar and they were doing the throat singing yeah we all it's funny we all like looked at each other in the theater and we were all like like doing like we heavy metal like, guitar riffs yes when i like this idea that different different like different like music and, and and styles from our time have survived to the, like clearly they're doing like mongolian throat saving and shit specifically throat singing and bagpipes and bagpipes yeah <laughs> what a choice <laughs> and the harkonnens are big disturbed fans so they're all going wow yeah that's really good oh absolutely yeah, disturbed yeah. also made it <laughs> believe it or not amazing <laughs> 
for me, I think I'm I'm pretty much like my favorite scene throughout the movie has got to be uh, the spice harvester scene. The just the sheer scale of it is just mind blowing. Yeah, it's just mind blowing. When they finally like when I watched it a uh, second time, I was like. They finally cut the movie or when they finally opened it up for uh, IMAX and the screen just like enlarged. I was like, what is happening right now? And then Leto diving in. The whole thing was crazy. Uh, that scene was really great. And then I think seeing the future scene was really good. Uh, the seeing when, he, when, I, he's in, when, when, he's, it, when he's in the tent and he has the vision when he's in the that tent. Was so good. And they ne- so when I watch, I paid attention the second time and I was like waiting for them to say crusade. They don't say crusade at all. They say holy war. Well, that's okay. That's kind of like fine. a that's a jihad. I mean, it's yeah. I understand why that's they're not jihad. using jihad. We all understand why they're not using I'm jihad. I'm completely especially especially, <laughs> with, especially what's going on right now in Afghanistan. Like I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. You know? This yeah, movie needs to I make really money. wish they did though. I really wish they weren't afraid of it because it's um it's it's a it's a it's Dude used in a very specific in the sequel. way. That just that, it, that just that just feels to me like a Warner Bros. exec. He was like, Denis, we're you get a lot of freedom <laughs> with this movie. You cannot say Jihad. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know what to yeah. tell you, man. Yeah. Dennis, because because it, no Dennis? Dennis? Dennis, listen to me. Listen, we do not want people thinking about Afghanistan, even though they probably should be, because that's the point of Dennis. It should be, but we don't want it. <laughs> we just want to think about sand. Let them get there on their own. It is. It is wild. Um, just how much more freedom he got with this movie. Like, I don't know. It does not feel hacked apart by a no, by a no. It's deck, definitely you know? his vision, um, oh. especially especially after Warner Bros. Especially after Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which was a two and a half hour long art movie, and it was amazing. It was but, amazing, like it did not. But it was. It did not make movie. money, right? <laughs> and you, I don't know. You just think like a war, especially Dune coming out through Warner Bros. You think that they would try and I don't know, cut it out, make it more like punchy because it's like this is a this is like every bit as slow and contemplative I think as yeah. it should be. <laughs> like. Uh, was there like a, a, uh, a scene for any of you where you're like, this scene kind of sucks. I mean, I can, I can start cause I know, uh, off the top of the head, it didn't like suck. It was just kind of like executed in a weird way. At least what for scene? me was the shout out, the shout out Mapes scene where she yeah, was well, talking. Shout out Mapes was barely in it. She's barely in it, but it's that scene where like she says, like you said earlier, Nathan, with the whole like internal monologue, cause I knew what was going on with Jessica in her head because I read the book, but it, as far as like the scene went, I was like, who knows what's actually going on? And then when Shadow Mapes, when she said, when Jessica uh, says maker and Shadow Mapes goes, or something like that. I was like, <laughs> that was good. I was like looking around the theater just to like look for like squint, like, like squints in the face. Like, what is she doing? Yeah, I right feel now? like at that point, though, and, you're two hours into this movie. If you're still in the theater, you're just like, oh, fuck it. Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Play it on me. Sure. All right. Okay. She's giving him. She's given her a worm tooth. Like you're gonna be yeah. <laughs> nitpicking that part. My, uh, That's true. My least favorite scene was uh, towards the end when they are crossing the valley and they get chased by the worm. And the reason for that, really, yeah. uh, oh, scene itself was executed fine, but like this indicated one of my big problems in the movie, which was the color grading. Um, so usually, usually, um, Denis Villeneuve works with uh, a guy named Roger Deakins as his director of photography. Um, mm-hmm. he did Arrival, he did Blade Runner, like he's, the look of his movies is, is heavily reliant on him. But this movie, yeah. again, and Greg Frazier was the director of photography, and Greg Frazier also worked on Rogue One and The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, as a result, the movie has a really muted, like, kind of washed out gray look, which works, except when they go to the nighttime scenes, and it's really hard to see what's going on, at least for me. Yeah, I did, and, I was, uh, it got me thinking about Game of Thrones a couple times. 
while we were watching yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. when it got really night. dark, yeah. I was like, this is kind of getting, this is, this is approaching long night territory. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. especially because, you know, a big part of ex- existing on Arrakis is making use of the nighttime. Of the night. I'm, 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 I'm hoping that's something that's addressed in part two because... Like it just, and it's such a beautiful looking movie and it's like some of the shots are blocked so beautifully and, and have such a good sense of mise and scene. But when the lighting is that dim, it really pulls away from it for me, you know? Cause like that scene, yeah. that was a holy shit scene in the trailer. Like when the, you see the whole like body of the worm, right? Yep. And it just felt very, yep. I missed a full lot of girth. it. Full you know? girth. It was a little much of a close call action movie thing when the worm was like jumping out yeah. at them for me. But I get well, worms it. worms require way more calories. Why would it even I be interested that too. in Paul? I was huh? like, this is just a this is just a little snack. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's uh, and that's to me that's just and it's it's the one because for the most part it was fine, but that was the one scene. And like Denis Villeneuve finds really creative ways around it. When the Atreides are getting massacred, he uses explosions and fire to illuminate things and keep it keep yep, it very visually yep, yeah. stimulating. One of my favorite shots in the whole movie: you see the Harkonnens and the Atreides attacking each other like army style and then right as they clash uh like a jet a uh a fucking ornithopter explodes right in the foreground and the fire kind of overtakes the screen yeah, it's just like cool. movies well, the, the yes i love it were really they were really cool are they is that how they are in the oh yeah in the book they're like dragonflies. Yeah, that's the are those bo- the little bo- thumpy things? No, they're like the dragonfly the helicopters no, those are the helicopters, helicopters. Those look like oh. dragonflies. yeah yeah they look like dragonflies it looked really cool it's really really cool design yeah, yeah, they, they, the whole technology. I want to get into the whole technology a little bit, but uh, they really kind of nailed every little scene. Uh, for your point of the the color grading, it could be also IMAX as well. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know if it was like the projector because when we were when I went with to uh, when I went last night uh, with a friend of mine that's never seen Dune and hasn't been in an IMAX theater since like 2015. I uh, when he came in and walked out of the theater, he was like, it seemed really blurry. Like it was hard to see what was what was going on. And I was like, maybe maybe we're kind of reaching that point where we're so used to like HD crazy like television quality stuff where we're so close to it that now that we're seeing like especially after two years. And I was noticing this like a couple years ago when we were uh, going to the theaters then theaters are really dark for me yeah. and yeah. it seems like theaters and IMAX and all that stuff. It's just getting harder and harder for me to see. And sometimes I'm just like, I'd just rather watch this on my TV. Cause then I can like pause it and go like, that's a two. I think you're just an, I think you're just an old sounds man. Like you're an old man. What was that? You had, you had, you had, you had, <laughs> sounds like you had an old one man. beer last night and that fucked you up. Is that, is that what I, I know? He's like, guys, we got to push the recording. I had a beer. <laughs> it was a brutal. I'm like having a beer while I read the text at 11 a.m. I'm, like, right. I'm gonna push against that because uh, like I, uh, I I see a lot of Joe and I watch a lot of movies in theater, and I've seen a few right. recently. Like earlier this year, I saw Tenet in IMAX, which fuck that movie. I did not. Yeah. And fuck I'm glad. that movie came. That, fuck that. That movie. movie sucked ass. But I and that movie, much like Dune, was because when you're like, th- and this is why you'll see the poster for things like Dune and uh, like anything Christopher Nolan does, it will say filmed for IMAX. It's because they're using specific yeah. cameras on set to make the best yeah, use yeah, yeah. of the because the aspect ratio is different like the, the shape of the screen is it's not as it's, it's yeah. not widescreen right um and i mean for all my faults with tenant i didn't have a problem seeing it so i, I think it was just a director of photography thing especially because okay. he switched because again he usually works with roger deakins i don't know 
maybe they had a maybe they threw croissants at each other and they got really mad. I don't know what happens in Quebec. <laughs> Sounds likely. Maybe they yeah. Poutine, I poutine, there's a poutine discourse issue. I don't know. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah I won't know for sure until uh, until I see it either in like a standard theater or see it on TV, and then I can actually go like because like when I watch the trailers, the trailer scene trailers are fine. fine. I can see everything. Trailers are fine. Yeah. yeah, but but somehow the movie just has this weird like blurry grainy and dark look to and it. And it might be, but, it might be uh, an IMAX thing. Cause another issue I have is the, I, mean, I was mentioning this to you guys, but the audio mixing, which for the most part was fine, but the score is so prevalent, prep, prep, wow, prevalent. And it's this bombastic Hans Zimmer score. It's amazing. But there are points when it drowns up the dialogue. Now, Joe thought that that was really intentional at points, which. Yeah, be, I did. Well, it depends. Sometimes they, mm. some in some scenes when they did, uh, they the biggest one was the, for me the was the, gu- with the gum like, Jabbar when they're just reciting the litany yeah. of fear and it drowns it exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. So it drowns it out. But I was saying to Nathan that I felt that like that was intentional because it was almost like the score was contributing to your, if your as a watcher feelings of fear and also kind of as well as the um, character. And it's almost like the fear is being represented by the music and and so like even though they're talking you can't fully hear it because you're being clouded by the quote-unquote fear and so when the music starts quieting down that's exactly the same time that the character seems to be calming down as well and so at times it does feel like it's an intentional choice and so uh, but that's the thing with movies that are like this that are just very fucking good sometimes you can't tell if it's a choice or if it's just something that what like you know maybe the ed- maybe the volume was just too high on the score during some of those scenes right but um because the rest of it's so good like i i'm like yeah, but maybe it was a choice. Like, maybe if you think about it, like, mm. you really think about it, man. Like, yeah. maybe it's like tap tapping into your Open own fear, man. Some movie. Have you guys seen a movie called Uncut Gems? Yes. Uh, no, I no, haven't. No. Uh, so it's very, it's a, it's a great movie. It. It's a very good movie. Um, But that, like, what, to, I don't know what Joe's saying. Like, you know, I don't know. Some movies are very strategic, strategic in their use of score. Uncut Gems is one where it had this, like, it, it basically was oscillating between a really, really tangerine dream, peaceful synth based score. And a really, really atonal, like nine inch nails kind of industrial score. And the whole movie revolved around a gambling addict. And basically when he's in his element and he's 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 splotting money and, and cutting deals, they have the smooth, nice uh synth music playing because he's in his elements. He he's he's loving it, right? Right. When all his when all his debts are coming to fruition and he has to pay up, it gets really atonal <laughs> and crazy. Yeah. And it gets really <laughs> yes. so yeah, like I could totally see that being a choice. Um I don't know. It's just it's it's cool, it, and that's why it's. I'm not, I don't consider it like a, like a full criticism. It's just something I noticed specifically in that scene because the Lydian fear is another very important part of Dune to me. And uh, Trent Reznor yeah. just shows up. Get ready to be scared, bitches. Yeah, he's just there with like a synthesizer in the corner. And he's like, and maybe I'm just because like, at a blockbuster level, this sounds so pretentious. But like a lot of blockbusters come out now, the score is just kind of there. Like usually when they're cutting like a Marvel movie, they'll have placeholder score. And then they'll yeah. just kind of compose some stuff that matches the placeholder stuff. And so that's why Marvel movies don't really have like a theme that really oh, sticks out in your mind. They're just reusing the same scores at this point. Exactly. I really yeah. hope they're using the Austin Powers score yeah. for placeholder. <laughs> like they're fighting each other. Just Thanos running around, punching people. Well, it's funny. There's a whole, I was actually, I went down because we randomly saw an ad for Domino's Pizza last night that had a really sick, like, like a lo-fi trap beat to it. And Joe and I were so like, good. who wrote this? And it, it like when I couldn't sleep last night, I went a little hole or greedy about it. And there's a whole like wormhole of royalty free, like musician studio musicians who will just compose music and sell it to studios for like without any royalties, just for a flat, you know, a couple thousand dollars. And that's usually what's yeah. used for placeholders and also for commercials. But 
Nice. Pizza lo-fi. Hell yeah. But to bring back to Dune, you know, like, could be a kind of thing where I'm just so used to, like, that the score being kind of just there, just for, for color with most blockbusters. And maybe it is being used yeah. in a really intentional way. Because it is loud as fuck. And, and just, you feel, especially in IMAX, you feel it in your chest, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I do yeah. want to talk about the score a little bit, uh, because there's there's two ways you can go about a score for Dune. You could go, there's, there's, a, there's two ways for me, at least. You, there's the John Williams route. You know, where it's like, it's very melodic, you know, it's very Star Wars or Superman or something like that. You you guys know what I'm talking about. Yep. Or yep. you could do what Hans Zimmer did here, which is a much more kind of like ambient, bassy, almost like, uh, like more impactful in, in some points. Like, because like when things happen, it's like bombastic. Well, the like, thing is, just yeah. like, the thing is like with a kind of like. What you're what you're describing, like the John Williams approach, is basically rooted in really major, um, triumphant sound in classical music. Right? There's a lot of pieces from hundreds of years ago that John Williams directly is paying homage or ripping off. Right? Whereas I feel like what Hans Zimmer does here is create something a bit more unsettling and like exotic sounding, especially for a Western audience. Which yeah, uh, I love I I love John Williams, but I think that this score was just chef kiss perfect absolutely agree yeah it, honestly it felt like Hans Zimmer created his own character in just the score itself like it's yeah. it's really stands on its own I feel like if you were at a mu- movie trivia and they did like a score round and mm-hmm. they put this on it, it you'd be like oh this is like you, this is Dune like it, it's so unique to the film that it's literally its own character it's so cool but you can't hum any of it though there's no there's not really like a lot like that you can kind of like repeat you can kind of like imitate it and like parody it in a yeah. way uh, there is kind of like points in the movie that you know that scene in Tropic Thunder where uh, I don't Ben Stiller's I'm character right now, I don't get Ben uh, I probably ben do Stil- <laughs> Ben Stiller's character right at the beginning he's like shot up and he like does this uh, the the platoon yeah. uh, thing and then it has that Arabic sounding voice and that's ah! yes. that, you know what I do remember make that it super dramatic yep. <laughs> thanks Steve <laughs> that happens a lot in Dune and yep. because I knew Tropic Thunder. And like how they kind of like punctuated like dramatic scenes with cheesy Arabic sounding music just to like uh, land it a little bit better. It works. It kind of made me laugh, but it works yeah. because it's Dune. Well, right? as we learned when we uh, talked about Halo for like five hours, just adding some creepy sounds. <laughs> so much Halo. When we start, when we start, when you just add some creepy sounding chants to the to the score, you're in the money, baby. That's it. Oh, that's oh yeah. All yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are some things about Hans Zimmer's score that uh, are very of his like repertoire uh one of the things that i've noticed since like since i think 2005 at least with like the batman soundtrack all of his scores now have like this ticking like momentum to it, it may not be an actual tick but there's always like a and he'll change that around with like a chant where it's like for the Benny Gesserit score, when you hear them, it's like a chant that goes, and then it just brings up. And then finally he goes, turns it up to 11 when they enter the ship. And he's just like, all right, now we're just screaming at you, but it's still that Wah. momentum that dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Uh, he does that all the time. So not that it's bad, but it was just kind of like, uh, I know that, I know that Hans Zimmer trick. He can't fool me. You know, he's got, yeah. he's got his mark. Well, on you're it, a Zimmer so. head. He fooled me. I thought it was great. <laughs> it is good. It, I think it serves better, not as a score, but as an accompaniment of the movie. You know, and it's it, present it's in the not... whole movie. This is the thing: is like that score is playing over pretty much every scene of this fucking movie. Which Almost is, every, which is scene. like a very that. that's a very interesting choice because yeah, like most, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of the most uh, 
Uh, Joe and I just saw Halloween Kills, which was not good, but like has a cool They're John never Carpenter. Good. That's the problem. Like I want, I want Number every one, time a Halloween movie comes, I'm like, I want to see. I can't wait. I want to see it. And then it's awful. There's been yeah. like eleven of them. Yeah, yeah, and there's four timelines. So, you think Marvel's just complicated? Leave her alone. Dude, it's, yeah, leave her alone. Leave Laurie Strode like, alone. She's all, like, leave her alone, please, Michael. <laughs> you know, like they had this dope John Carpenter because like that was probably the best part of the movie was there's some new John Carpenter music, but like, mm. yeah, they they pull it away for dialogue scenes and then you know, but in Dune, it's there. Like always, you know, it's punctuated. That's, yeah, and, yeah, and that's why, like I said, it's like its own character. It's because it really is. Like it's it's it so perfectly aligns with the movie itself, and it's constantly sort of present there with you along for the ride. That it's like it really is its own like beast and entity. Yeah, I love I love how you said that beast. It really beast what it does is kind of like it it accompanies the sense of scale that you're seeing. And that's mm-hmm. what this movie really kind of nailed for me is that just how big it is. When you're flying mm-hmm. over Arakeen in that first, uh, when you first come to Iraq, is where you're flying over Arakeen and the city takes up the entire screen, the yeah. entire fucking it was thing. Cool. Uh, uh, you see the Highliners kind of coming out of, or not the Highliner, the, the transport ships coming out of the water. And then you see the Highliner that's in space. And you see that like those giant ships that that were that were on Caladan are just little tiny specks coming out of that giant penis-looking ship <laughs> in the space. In space, you know, it did mean? look like a penis, yeah. didn't it? And I, you yeah. know, I just I was just <laughs> shitting on him earlier, but I think a large part of that is is Greg Frazier, the director of photography, cinematographer. He loves dicks. He loves dicks. <laughs> he doesn't. Dicks are great. <laughs> but I mean, like. Uh, you know what? Like another movie he worked on, Rogue One, had an amazing sense of scale as well. The way it like established yeah. lots of dicks, yeah. the way a lot it of phallic shapes, and a lot of phallic, of phallic shapes. shapes. You know, but you establish much like my penis, you establish it at a certain size, and then you compare it to something even larger. Yes, boom, sense of scale. Yes, yes, yes. We all know that. It's yeah, like yeah. the rule of thumb, isn't it? The rule, yes. the rule of penis. The thumb to okay. the index finger. That's, isn't right. that what they say? The thumb to the index finger. I think. Yep. Is the, yeah. Yeah. Joe, can you confirm, deny? Mm. I don't know. I was always told it was like the length <laughs> well, of your thumb to your like the this this length. Like oh. I can't. I, we're on a podcast. It's like the length of the tip of your thumb to like the bottom. We're all measuring of the, our dicks. Middle of your wrist. Like, we're all measuring our dicks. I don't Joe, know. I don't have a dick. Pain. I don't know. Yeah. I can't use it. Compare. I mean, you can't talk about Dune and not talk about dicks. Someone else on this <laughs> podcast also doesn't have a dick. Dun dun dun. dun. <laughs> you be you be the judge, listener. Let us know on Twitter what you think. <laughs> Tune in next week and Smash find that out. Like and subscribe for more dick facts. <laughs> uh, how do how do you guys feel about like the um, how they designed all the costumes? We talked about it a little bit, but how they not only designed it but separated uh, the different cultures from each other that we saw on screen. So we have the Atreides, we have the Harkonnens, we have the Fremen. Those are the main. Those are the big three. But then we also have some looks of the spacing guild and the Benny Gesserit and the starter car. Who are the guys with like, the uh, big, which ones who are the alien guys with like, the big helmets? There were like four of them walking with the starter car or something or with the emperor. I don't know who they were with. That's spacing guild. That's spacing guild. Spacing guild or, like big, like, Mass Effect or the emperor. Or you mean, you mean, you mean with the, uh, yeah. with the, the voice of the emperor, like the emissary. Yeah. The yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, 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 that was my, they, they didn't really allude to it, but that was my impression was it was navigators or spacing guild or something. God. Although navigators yeah, don't, that's what I navigators don't they, they didn't like, shy halud to it. Oh, <laughs> oh, Whoa. thank you. There's so thank many. You. We didn't even. We haven't even made a Elton John Benny and the Jezzerets joke. Yet, I almost so. did. Yeah, I was really close to doing. Everybody's it Everybody's done it. Yeah. I think I've done it too many times. I, was, so. <laughs> I think it's. I was listening to the la- 
last podcast network's like Dune show, and they made a Benny, right. Jes- Benny and the Jesuits joke like all the all the time. And I was like, man, I thought we right. we're up inspired up. by them, so we can use Damn their it. jokes technically. <laughs> yeah, yes. we can. That's how it works. <laughs> That's how it works. All art is stolen. <laughs> it's not stolen. It's a tribute. <laughs> I think they did a they did a great job. I think with the the production because what you're describing is like the production elements, like the costuming, the uh, yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. the the sets, the the ships, the design. I think they did a really good job of making it feel like so alien but so familiar. Like you'll they're wearing a suit of armor, but then they have a military hat on. You know that we would see today. Yeah. Like there's all these little sort of glimmers of today. A yeah. But and a sword. And a sword. And a fun parasol, right? And it just it. Because like, that's the thing is like to me like Dune is so exotic, but it's also so plausible. I don't know if plausible is the right word. It's just it feels like and like it a, does. Even no, it, really it is a of... very plausible future or like believable yeah. apocalyptic sort of future. I'm not even I apocalyptic, would, but just I would totally believe that we'd regress back to fiefdoms and be fighting over resources on other planets, oh, absolutely. right? Like oh, yeah. of course, you know, and and uh, so like like making the production, and this is a big problem with it. Like as much as on a visceral level, I. I kind of love how fucked up and weird the David Lynch Dune looks, like the way the costumes are and stuff. But like, right? It's it's very very heightened. It's very comic booky, especially the Harkonnens and shit. Like they just look straight out of a fucking DC Dark Knights type comic, oh, yeah. right? And uh, yeah, he, he goes in a way more grounded direction with everything in this, and it's it's sick. And also like the the Bene Gesserit face coverings were super ominous. Love that. Like, yeah, everything that everything with them was shot yeah. very. Everything with them was shot very horror esque, which I thought was a really cool choice because because they are oh, you're yeah. not supposed to like I don't know the Bene Gesserit should put you on edge you know yeah they they they're intriguing for sure that's a change that they made in the book um that the Bene Gesserit uh Tony actually uh, mentioned it when I was talking to him about it about it uh the Bene Gesserit doesn't actually help the Harkonnens in the set in the movie as they do in the book it's much more like the Emperor is more dealing with the uh, Harkonnens and the Benny Gesserit are kind of doing their own thing. Instead, the uh, Benny Gesserit that we see, the main one, guys, Helen Mahayim, she is kind of like used as an agent of the Emperor to kind of move the Harkonnens into position to attack the Atreides. Which is like that's that is such a minor plot point and a good change to just make it move ahead forward with the plot. You just know what what's so having her act more as an Emperor agent in a way works even though they they really the Betty Jesuit and their look and their feel really leaves kind of like a uh, a presence throughout the movie even when they're not on Absolutely screen agree. you know that just, kind of stuff is just kind of stays that kind of stuff is like smart uh, Peter Jackson would do that with Lord of the Rings a, a big one is uh, the battle of Helm's Deep when the elves show up that doesn't happen in the books like the elves don't show no. up the way they do but Peter Jackson's trying to condense things to show that like the races of Middle Earth are starting to converge and starting to come back together, you know, and starting to unite. Um, and right. he only has so many hours to, to, to give you that information, right? So, like, stuff like that is... And, and what they do with the Bene Gesserit in relation to the to the Emperor is smart. Like, it streamlines it and changes it, but you still get what you need to know yeah. information-wise. Well, and right? it was cool for me as, uh, as somebody who is not as familiar with the books. Honestly, I thought they did an incredible job of... Uh, making the costumes be sort of specific per um, group of people because it helped me know like, oh, okay. So like, even if I didn't know like the word, the term Fremen, for example, uh, at the time I was like, okay, these people are clearly like from this, from this planet, they're from here. um, And you can tell based off of their appearance, or if you see like the Royals or the Harkonnen, like all of them, they, they all had their own sort of elements that made me understand. There were moments I would get a little confused in some of the battle scenes. I think Um, I know that the Fremen were hiding Mm -hmm. under the sand, which is that right? 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so yep. that was yep. cool. So cool. That was so, so freaking sick. sick when they would like pop out of the yeah, sand. Yeah, I love that. And then the puffs of sand would come out of everywhere and it was just like so cool looking. Um, but sometimes mixed in there, like mixed in battle scenes, I would get a little bit lost as to who was fighting who and also why. Um, but I just kind of trusted the process. <laughs> Well, and that's 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 that kind of goes back to because like I noticed that too, and I again I think I think maybe Denis Villeneuve isn't as experienced with filming clearer fight scenes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Now that I've thought about it a little bit, it's like this isn't an action movie. I didn't think so. This yeah. is a sci-fi yeah. drama, but it is sort of marketed as one. The trailers make it yeah. look like it is one. Well, they want yeah, they want pe- yeah. they want people in in they want asses in the seats. Yeah, right? and like the average um, movie is yeah. true. It's and almost like a thriller at times, honestly, too. Like yeah, it's like got yeah. vi- like a thriller almost. vibe at times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and like yeah. A, and like a political thriller too, right? It's. Uh, yep. That was another really great, uh, like well shot scene when the Fremen are eating and they hear the Sardaukar. Camera pans up. You see the Sardaukar drop. Camera pans back down and it's just a cup laying in the sand. Oh yeah, yeah. That was and then cool. immediately yeah. the Fremen jump out of the sand. I love, I yeah. love, I love, I love uh, a well because that that could, that could have just been them sitting there. And the the Sardaukar show up, and then they, they could have just shown everything, you know. But like he uses the language of cinema in a really cool way in, in moments like that. Yeah, yeah, they definitely nail. They definitely do a good job with each of just kind of like setting action, setting action up in a way. But you guys are, I think you guys are right. Like they, do, the action is definitely not the best in this, but it do, it doesn't have to be because it's not an action. I will movie. say, Dun- Duncan Idaho's Bormir moment is pretty sick. It was really good. Oh, they nailed oh, it. Oh, yeah. 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 I like that. That's the thing about th- this movie is that they do show scenes uh, like that in the movie that you don't see in the book at all. It's just kind of referred well, yeah, to. Yeah, it's like a door book. shuts and you and hear him that's fighting. That's it. Right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's just it. Uh, or like uh, Gurney Halleck on the feet, like uh, battling all the Harkonnens out in the. Because that, that shit doesn't happen in the book either. It's basically like they're betrayed. And uh, next scene you see is. Uh, jessica and paul basically on the ornithopter or like baron sees jessica for like a brief moment or something like that and just kind of like gloats and burps and then floats away and then uh and that but pretty much they're on the ornithopter you don't see anything of the invasion so they really spent the time to go like yeah they're being invaded right now uh one thing about the sense of scale that I was kind of like a little disappointed. It has to do with Arakeen and Arrakis and kind of like the, the people, uh, the, the general world of Arrakis, or I guess the, the entire uh, movie is that you don't see like any sort of like common people, like when they're destroying yeah, Arakeen no city, like there. you don't, you don't see anybody. There's nobody going around. Now that being said, the city seems like pretty much covered. Like every, it seems like everybody's indoors, but it'd be kind of cool to see what the village living would be like or city living would be like uh on arrakis and just see how the common people would live you don't see it at all uh you don't even see it on caladan it even though caladan i think is what probably one of the most beautiful looking intros like 45 nice. 30 minutes like looks so cool that whole how they designed caladan to be this uh almost norwegian it was sort of yeah it was, had you know a sort I mean? of a kind norse of feel to it Norse, maybe Scottish as well. I like kind of the Scottish planet islands. introductions yeah. too. I like when movies do that, like uh, when it just like pans oh, yeah. out and not yeah. even just planets, but like um, you know, just whatever the setting is. Like Game of Thrones did did that in the first episode, which I thought was really cool, or the first couple episodes. Yep. I think they're like, here's Winterfell, yep. here's King King's Landing, and then they dropped it, and yeah. uh, 
dropped a lot of other things along yeah. the way too. They, dro- they yeah. dropped a lot of things. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know they're doing House of the yeah. Dragon now. Woo! Yay. Yay! You know it's wild. Like Joe and I talk about this all the time because we watch Game of Thrones a lot, and I read all the books, and and then it ended, and it ended the way it did. I've never seen something go from being like pop culture zeitgeist to just just nothing, like nothing. Like nothing. it's just. Like I don't see people wear like I used to wear people see people wear shirts. shirts. My mother in law had a mother of dragons fucking cup. Right? And like now, like man, I you know, I was grabbing a record from Sunrise Records recently. Like all the Game of Thrones shit's in the for sale section. (laughs) All the clearance now, eh? It's uh Yeah, it's well, just... and like there's like a new Game of Thrones show coming out soon. Yeah. And House of the Dragon. I don't have. I have not seen a it's single. It's a prequel to the Targaryens, who no. we now know amount to nothing. Spoilers. <laughs> Surprise. House of Dragon these nuts. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah. House of RuPaul's Drag Race. That's what I want to watch. Yes, you better work. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Game of Thrones because I, I felt like Game of Thrones sometimes had this issue too, where we're like we're focused on these political these houses, these political factions. Mm-hmm. And so the meat of the plot is yeah. is the, the the immediate family, but then we don't get sort of a sense, and that's where like a book is really can 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 convey that a bit more because you have the space to to build the world a bit more. Whereas like, and it makes me wonder like what this would look like like as an HBO miniseries yeah. or something, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing is about Dune the book as well is that they don't even touch that the common oh. people thing at yeah. all in the book either. It really is just yeah. like well, and that's a it's just and that's a that's so a big. that's a problem I have with Dune too, right? Like it, we're so yeah. we're so focused on, I mean, Paul the Atreides and the, like all the political machinations, but it's like you yeah, know it's, the common it's a world, folk, like, and especially when they talk about in in Dune, yeah, yeah. yeah. Show me Jerry for a minute. Yeah, Jerry. Jer- Jerry. Jerry. Uh, Jerry. Jerry Seinfeld. Framing. What's the deal with spice? <laughs> part of why I enjoy uh, it's part of why I enjoy Doom Messiah a lot because it's a much quieter book. I can't wait. And I we do get a lot that. more yeah. sort of snapshots. I can't of, wait to read God Emperor. God Emperor. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now, and it's fucking. I have this pet theory because you know Dune, like the first book, is divided into three sections, and I have this pet theory that Messiah was meant to be book four and just be included in Dune, but like. The page length was just because it to me it's just crucial. Like it completes Paul's story completely, you know, and uh, and uh, it's so short too. It's like two hundred something. Really, pages. is that short? Um, it's very short, at least compared to the other Dune novels. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good read, and it, it like it there's a it jumps ten ten years forward. Paul's older now, and uh, yeah. One thing we haven't talked about though is the actual spice itself. Delicious. Like, how did you all feel about the representation of spice? And like the, you know, because there was the scene where Timothy grabs the, the the handful of sand and you can see like the sparkles. And I so I personally loved like seeing the little flecks in the air. Like when you put the yeah, little light like on, orbs. you could see a, little like, yeah, like these like beautiful like sparkles. I, instantly, like, I loved it. I instantly knew that Villeneuve was the right guy for this movie when like he starts the movie. With, with and the, the twinkling and spice, the spice. Like, oh, yeah. so the good. Twinkling. Yeah, know, like that. That yeah. establishes well that, and also, <laughs> I I don't know where else to fit this in, but like a cool little Den- Denis Villeneuve uh, Easter egg. The beginning title card when it says "Dreams are messages from the deep." Did you guys hear that yeah. voice uh, yeah, yeah, sound? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that right at the beginning. But you know what it is? I don't know it's what it sound is. Of, it's no. the sound effect of one of the aliens from Arrival. Really? Like reused. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And of course, there's gonna be a lots of dumb shit fucking screen out articles of like, oh arrival and Dune Connect. They're not. It's a, it's an Easter egg because he just like thematically the movies have a lot in common. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just, just a, a little, little right. it's a little it's... touch that I love that. that. It's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I love it. When, I love when they Because I heard it and I recognized yeah. it. I was like, what the fuck is that? And then I looked it up and yeah. But yeah, it's just the fact he starts the movie on the spice, that's, that's I love it. that. 
and like i i know that uh but like from not reading the books and not knowing like what the spice because the spice it's i mean the spice must flow like it's it's such a huge it's like the base do they say in the movie that they use it that it's it's like it's how they do like interstellar space travel yeah 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 Yeah. and it's also like really good lsd at the same that's time. what yeah. i kind of yeah I, I knew that because nathan told me um like that that people like do spice as if it's a drug in and like i knew that that's why the eyes were blue um but i i think there was that one moment where it looked like they were about to start like smoking up some spice um but besides that there wasn't much and i know that they have every like the people who had the blue eyes that's from them yeah. consuming spice um but it's well, it's but as a person there. like removed from the removed from the novels i was like is that from them just breathing it in yeah. Or is it, are they consuming it? Is it an actual drug? What, what happens when they take the spice? You know, and I think that might happen. Well, I'll probably find Kinda out more yes to down all. the line. But yeah, um, I thought it just looked visually so fucking cool. The, the spice I wasn't really too worried about because I was like, it's just, you know, sand kind of, you know, it's just cinnamon. <laughs> it's spicy you know? sand. But in a visual and, medium, it's yeah, it's spicy sand. differentiate it from regular sand. Yeah. Because there's a lot like of that. that. Yeah. And just doing, it's. You didn't. You, they didn't really need to do much, but just add the little like sparkles to the screen, like and when uh, Paul has that like kind of like momentary freakout during the spice harvester section, uh, you know that it's like oh, th- it's just in the yeah. air, and that's why he's like breathing it in and having this like hissy fit yeah. Yeah. at the moment, uh, and that's the most technical term it I can technical. use for what he's going through. <laughs> he be tripping. Even more uh, technical. So yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I think that's everything that we need. We can. I think, I think we've covered everything. There might be one or two things that uh, we. You're gonna have to. We w- might get an email. We're gonna have for to wait. Or I, either send us an email, and then we can give you a fun little tweet about it and tell you like no, or wait for the next <laughs> Dune Dune Summit, which will be probably Dune five, Summit five yeah. or six years. Yeah, twenty twenty six. Electric Dunaloo. Yeah, Electric Dunaloo. That's the depressing thing because. I mean, part two, I think, is coming. The Warner Bros. CEO has been cagey about it. But, like, with the pandemic and everything, it's going to be fucking They haven't filmed any, any of it, right? They didn't pull a no, James Cameron here? No, they haven't yeah. done anything. Yeah. I don't think I've made enough no. of a point of... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Last, last but not least, I don't think I've mentioned it enough. Oscar Isaac looking like a snack oh, in this film. Delicious. Though. Oh, he looks good. my God, Oscar Isaac. What a gift. What a that gift. He has a thick beard. I would just go to watch him again. Just stare <laughs> at his face. Have you seen, I'm sure you guys have seen um, Ex Machina from years oh, yeah. back. And where, where he has that sequence where he's dancing with the red Yes. Oh, so yeah. good. There was a whole Twitter account so that just took that scene and added different songs to it. Awesome. It was great. That's actually my Twitter account. I love the internet. <laughs> it's like, yeah. We don't need a butlerian jihad whatsoever. We have the internet. We have That's Twitter. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, I just had to say that. Guys, thank you, thank you guys so much for doing this. This has been a yeah, lot of fun. Thanks, I'm guys. really this glad is great. I we gotta do more of these. Super fun. We, we gotta, gotta do, do more, more of these. Doing more. Uh, I I'm so glad that we've been able to kind of like get this movie finally out and like off my chest. I feel like I finally have closed a chapter in my in my development yeah. Oh, yeah. as a human being after just waiting <laughs> for this movie for like years yeah. i forced steve to become yeah. a fan yeah you look like, like you have more facial hair today i don't know what it is <laughs> you record up you bearded up yeah, I think yeah you're finally going through puberty it's happening <laughs> it's happening 
<laughs> uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, Nathan and Joanna, they're going to have their own show, The Midnight Movie Club, coming out in hopefully in the next few weeks. There's no real time signature on it, but I'm it's super excited. I'm Do you guys su- know the first movie that you're doing? We're doing Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's the first one. Oh, yeah, one. I already said that. Yeah. Rocky Horror. We thought it was a good yeah, one to start on. It's a really good yeah. one. We're just like, it's a cult movie podcast. That is the cult movie. Like, we got to just get it out of the way. Get it out of the system, you know? So. Yeah. 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 You can catch those guys on the Midnight Movie Club. You can catch Nathan and I on the Last Gen Arcade. Steve and I on the Chapter by Chapter podcast, the episode, the channel that you're listening to right now. Uh, we are currently still in the Patreon. So if you guys want to check out our Patreon, we have weekly episodes. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's... That's this is some Steve, great, this like, is some great synergy, guys. Great corporate synergy up in this, up in this, this chat. Is great. Yeah. yeah, this, this is really good. This is a great summit. Hell Successful yeah. summit. Uh, of course, tweet at us at chap by chap Instagram at chapter by chapter podcasts. You guys at last gen arcade. Yep. Yeah. Get at all of us. Thank you for listening as always, and we'll see you soon for season four of Chapter by Chapter: The Dragon Reborn. Yeah! See you, dude. That's usually how we just scream a lot and then it ends. <laughs>